You know, honestly, watching that video, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective. You know, so often in our culture, we take things for granted. Um, Things are convenient, handed to us. And yeah, we struggle. And sure, we go through some financial hardships at times. Uh, Maybe we go through some traumatic experiences, but we don't really realize how blessed we are to live in this nation. So as the 4th of July weekend is wrapping up, I just want to challenge every person in the room to pray for our country, to pray for its leaders, and to thank God for the men and women who bled and died so that we could have the freedoms that we have, the ones that are just natural for human beings, and also the freedom that we have to come into this building tonight and worship God. Tonight, staying true to that theme, we're going to be discussing freedom. We're not just going to be talking about the freedom of country, but ultimately we're going to be discussing the freedom that we now have as Christians. Before we really dig deep, would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for everything that you do for us. Thank you for the freedom that you so generously offer to us, for the opportunity to be able to be here to talk about you, and God, to just experience your love, your grace, your passion, and your mercy. You are so good, even when I'm not. God, tonight I just pray that you will move. I pray that you'll help us learn something tonight and that our hearts will be changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So talking about freedom, there are all kinds of Bible verses in Scripture that talk about freedom. In fact, the word freedom or free or freely is used over 60 times in Scripture. And the majority of the time in Scripture, it's paired with a word like the truth or God or the Spirit. So you have God and freedom right next to each other. But the verse that I think really encapsulates what we're talking about, that really explains the kind of freedom that we're talking about, is this. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. It's from 2 Corinthians. And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And I absolutely love this verse because it doesn't say the uh, fixed has come. It doesn't say the broken pieces have been put back together, but it says the new has come. Scripture tells us that God gives us a new creation. He doesn't just stitch up our dirty pieces. He doesn't just fix us, but he gives us newness. It's like that old car that's beaten down, that's broken, that has 200,000 miles on it. The air conditioning doesn't work, and you have to actually roll up the windows by yourself. He trades that in for a brand new 2015 Mustang and gives it to you freely. He gives us a new creation. But you see, sometimes I think that um, we get wrapped up on this idea of newness. You know, it's not just a new name. It's a new identity completely. I think sometimes in our life we actually go through this. Um, Everybody here has probably had a nickname at some point in their life. Now, you get a nickname by experiences that are going on in a particular circumstance. I had a few nicknames growing up. Uh, The first nickname I ever got was when I was playing football in fifth grade. And I'd like to say it was something awesome, like Spike or Killer or something like that. But it wasn't. Uh, My first day of football in fifth grade, I walked on the field with my hair nicely gelled before I put my helmet on. And my football coach christened me with the name Princess. Princess stuck with me for a few years until they traded that bad boy in for a much manlier name, Cupcake. Yeah, I kept that one for a while too, and then 
I got the next nickname actually because of my mom, so she can take credit for this. We had white practice pants, and she refused to let me go to practice with grass stains, so she would wash them religiously every single night. So this new nickname was Snuggle, like the fabric softener. I actually kind of liked that one. (laughs) Outside of football, I got a nickname um, actually in college last year. I was at Campbellsville University, and a group of friends and I uh, would go visit this nursing home, and we all played music or sang, and so when we were there, we would sing some music, and we would really just try to invest in people. And every time we went, we picked one person each that we really wanted to get to know, experience their life, um, just be there for them and show them that we cared. So on this particular day, I met this woman who was 95 years old. She had blue hair. She looked very frail, and her name was Ruby. And this woman was probably the sweetest human being I've ever encountered in my life. And when I first met her, I thought that she was like a step below Jesus. I mean, that's how innocent she was. She told me all about her life, and we came to this point where she said to me, I just want to call you Tommy. I thought that was weird, and I said, well, why do you want to call me Tommy? And she said, well, you look like my husband who passed away 10 years ago, and his name was Tommy. And I thought that was so sweet, you know, it made me feel good, and And so I love that, you know. I was like, this woman is awesome. And uh, so the day went on, and we started singing our music. And like I said, all these women and men were probably older than 75. And so we were singing hymns. You know, How Great Thou Art, Amazing Grace. Um, We slid in a few contemporary songs like, um, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High, or Shout to the Lord. But we didn't want to push it too much. And then, um, as we did, uh, as tradition went for us, we would ask the audience, is there any song, any specific song that you would like us to sing? You know, a song that God has spoke to you through or that's been significant in your life. And Ruby raised her hand, you know, shaking. And so I looked at my friends and I said, guys, I don't care what she says, what song she requests, we have to sing it. This woman is a saint. And Ruby said proudly and passionately, Baby doll, I want you to sing, Pour Some Sugar on Me. (laughs) And so on that day, in that retirement home, we sang, Pour Some Sugar on Me, to a 95-year-old woman, and I was christened with the name Grandma Casanova. (laughs) So that was one of my favorite nicknames. But I say all this to say that our experiences sometimes give us a title. And Christ, when he saves us, when we fully surrender to him, it's so much more. It's not just a title. It's not just a name, but he actually takes ownership of us. He trades in that title, sinner, and he sees child, son, daughter. He doesn't see broken or past. He sees redeemed, saved. That's the kind of freedom that God has to offer us tonight. Some of you guys might be sitting here in this room, and you might say, Blake, that's great. That freedom sounds really, really cool. I would really like to experience that freedom, but you don't know my past. I mean, I've lived a pretty rough life. I've done some things. I've said some things. I've hurt some people. I mean, you look at the trail of my life, and all it is is broken hearts and uh, lust and sin-filled events. God can never love me. That freedom isn't offered here. I want to tell you that you're wrong. I know that's hard to hear, but the Bible says it's true, and actually— there's a story I want to tell you, and it's actually a testimony. You know, I actually, I actually hate, hated Christians one part of my life. I hated Christians. And in fact, if you can believe this, I, um, 
I actually had my hand in, in killing Christians and murdering Christians. That's hard to admit because that's so not me anymore. But I was so broken and sinful and dirty. But you know, then Jesus got a hold of me. God got a hold of my life and he changed me. And you know, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like and I was kind of scared, but I, I took that step of faith. I became kind of a traveler talking about God and what he had done in my life. And I'm not meaning to brag because I would never brag about me. If I ever would be bragging or boastful, it would be about what Christ has done through me. But people seemed to be saved when I talked about God and what he had done in my life. I just saw life change everywhere I went. I actually uh, kind of developed this whole thing where I have all these pen pals. I like to write letters, keep up with people, you know. And from what I hear, thousands and maybe even more people have been saved because what Christ has done in my life. This broken guy who used to hate Christians. This messed up guy who had my hand in murdering the people who were doing exactly what God has now called me to do. You know, my name used to be Saul. I lived in this place called Tarsus. But you see, God gave me a new creation, a new identity. He gave me the name Apostle Paul. See, I believe if the Apostle Paul was standing right here, that would be his story. That would be his story. You see, Christ radically changed his life. He didn't fix him. He didn't remove his past or make people forget about it, but what he did was give him a new creation. So you're right. I don't know how bad your past is. I don't know the things that you might have done, but that freedom is still offered to you because this is the thing about God. God cares far more about his glory than the memory of your sin after you repent. He cares far more about his glory than a memory of your sin after you repent. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of freedom that is offered. See, Christ died on a cross to pay for our sins in full. Past, present, future. No one's too broken. No one's too far gone. If Paul, this guy who hated Christians, who killed Christians, could become one of the most substantial men in the Bible, this guy who has wrote nearly half of the New Testament, this guy who radically changed people's lives for Christ, if he can do it, so can you. I believe God looked at Paul's life and said, you know what, I'm going to show you how I can make broken things beautiful. Tonight, is that you? Are you sitting here thinking, you know what, Blake, I am a pretty messed up person I want to experience that freedom. I want to be freed from my past. Maybe you'll be like Paul. Maybe you will surrender and experience God's glory. You know, the the first thing that I thought about when they said that I was going to be preaching on freedom, the first thing that popped into my mind was this image of an American flag and soldiers. You know, this generation has grown up in war. I would bet that every person in the room tonight has been affected by war. Somebody in your family or a friend has served this country. You know, we've been surrounded by it. And I think remembering that helps us also remember that freedom isn't free. That people have to fight for our freedoms, for us to maintain those freedoms. And so tonight, you guys might have walked in here as Christians. We know the ending. We know that Christ has conquered death, that sin is in the grave. 
We know that we've won the war, but the fact of the matter is there is war going on in our lives every single day. Every single day. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know probably what I'm talking about, and you're thinking spiritual warfare. Angels versus demons, Satan tempting you to sin and stumble. But I think there's something that's worse, something that's greater. You see, if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, would you hear this? Satan does not have the power to send you to hell. Satan does not have the power to send you to hell, but your sin does. So when we need, uh, what we need to do is identify what we're waging war against. What are we waging war against? Something that can't send us to hell or something that can? Our own human impulse to sin, our desire for lust, our desire for addiction, our desire to be critical and mean, our sinful hearts, denying the flesh and pursuing the cross. That's what we need to wage war against, guys. When you're serving on the battlefield, your senses are heightened. If you hear a twig snap, your head snaps. You're constantly on your guard. Your weapon is never out of reach. You're constantly training on how to use that weapon better. Why don't we do that? Why don't we embrace this freedom that we've been given by responding in gratitude and with a passion to fight to protect that freedom? Why aren't we learning how to use the weapon that God has given us? You know, Scripture talks about how we have an armor, how he's given us an armor. And all of the armor that he talks about are defensive pieces, except for one thing. That's the Word of God, which he says is sharper than any double-edged sword. Why aren't we reading our Bible daily, learning how to use that as a weapon? to fight the opponent, the enemy, the only thing that can separate us from the Father? Why aren't our senses heightened to the things that can bring us down or separate us from God? There's a guy who kind of describes this situation. His name was William Wallace, and I I think you should watch this. It might help. You know, he looked at those countrymen, and he said, you came here as free men, and free men you are, but what will you do with that freedom? If you're a Christian in this room, you came in here as free men, and free men you are. What will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? Or will you be like one of the scared soldiers and run? Because like William Wallace said, you'll live for a while. But on that day, when you're on your deathbed, will you regret your life from, that, from this present moment right here to that day? Will you regret that? Will you run from fighting those sinful desires and live a life filled with brokenness and pain and sorrow and everything that sin brings and regret it all? Regret it all lying on your deathbed. Or would you fight? Would you fight? So tonight as the band comes back up, every person in this room, I think, needs to respond in a way. Maybe if you're a Christian in the room tonight, the way you're going to respond is getting real with God and saying, you know what, I've lived an apathetic life. I've sat on the pew and I've concerned myself with doing good things, but honestly, I haven't fought. I haven't learned how to use my weapon. I haven't read your word. I haven't heightened my senses to sin. I've just kind of ran away from it. God, would you strengthen me? Would you strengthen me to be a warrior? To fight for the freedom that you blessed me with? Maybe for you tonight, you don't even understand what I'm talking about when I talk about God's grace 
and how he loves us and how he's promised us freedom. If that's you in the room tonight, I just want you to know that you can have it right now. You can have it right this second. All you have to do is say, God, I know I need you. All you have to do is be like Paul and say, I know that my past has been filled with brokenness and dirtiness. I know that I have hurt people and I've fallen short. But God, I'm willing to take that step of faith. I'm willing to surrender to you. I'm willing to be called to your purpose. God, I want to lavish in the freedoms that you've blessed me with. The freedom from my past the freedom from this need to do good things or deeds to get to heaven, and ultimately the freedom from my sin. God, I'm ready to be your child. I'm running to you with open arms. You can do that tonight. So as the band's playing, if that's you, would you come and talk to me? I want to pray with you. Please, don't wait. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel silly. Because that's the greatest moment of your life when you finally decide to surrender to Jesus. It's the best moment of your whole life. Whatever it is, I just challenge you to respond. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we know that you're here and in this room. Dear God, we know that you died on a cross. (laughs) You died for our freedoms. You died that we might be new creations blameless in your sight. Lord, tonight, God, I just pray that you would move us to respond, whether that looks like us not living apathetically, but living passionate lives filled with purpose, filled with a desire to draw nearer to you, whether that looks like us falling on our face, saying, God, I need you for the very first time, saying, God, I know I can't do this on my own anymore, God, I want that grace. I want that freedom. I want that truth and that love. God, I need you to give me a purpose. God, I know the way I've been living is not what you want. And I want you to have all of me. Whatever it is, Lord, I just pray that you convict us tonight to act. Lord, you're so good. It's harder for us to grasp your love, your forgiveness, and your mercy. But I'm just grateful that you give it give it unconditionally, unsubstantially, unportioned. It's vast. It's lavish, Lord. You just poured upon us. God, we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing and respond however God feels, however you feel like God is calling you tonight. Like I said, the altar's open. If you just need to get real with God, you can come down here and pray. If you need to pray with me, if you feel like God is saying, I want you because he is. If you're not a Christian in the room, he does want you. Scripture says that God is a jealous God. When you're living your life filled with sin and brokenness and hurt, it hurts him. He wants you. He wants to free you from all of that. Would you come with me and pray? Let me talk to you about how you can have that tonight. Don't wait. You can give your tithes and offerings or more importantly, you can take communion. We have the communion table set on both sides. and Communion is the ultimate representation of what we're talking about tonight. Because without the cross, without what Christ did for us on that day at Calvary, 
we wouldn't have any freedoms. We would still be chained by our sin, by our past, by ourselves. But scripture says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we're healed. Would you celebrate that tonight and take communion? Whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but just respond. Please let any sense of shame or embarrassment just fall away and just respond however God's calling you tonight. bow your heads for a moment. Right now, with your head bowed, would you just tell God thank you for whatever he's freed you from? Maybe it's an addiction. 
Maybe you used to be a mean person before you were saved, and I've always helped you with that. Maybe he's freed you from your need to be needed. Maybe he's freed you from an abusive relationship, Lord. He's just simply freed you from a life filled with brokenness. Would you just say thank you, Lord, for that tonight? Now, would you think about something in your life, something right now that you know you need to get rid of, that you know you need to wage war against? Would you put it in your mind right now? Right now in this moment, would you give it to God and say, you know what, God, I can't, I can't do this by myself. I can't get rid of this ugly part of me by myself. We have the ability right now to lay it at the foot of the cross and be freed from that. Would you do that? Guys, this whole thing with salvation, with experiencing God, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. See, John 3.16, a verse that you learn when you're a kid, says this, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. Whosoever. That means you. That means the broken person, the sinner, the guy that that struggles, the guy that has a messed up past, the guy that doesn't always get it right. Whosoever. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I cannot stress to you tonight how much he wants you to have a relationship with him. Guys, eternity is not something to mess around with. Would you experience his love tonight? You know, some of you just came up and took communion. When you ate that cracker, when you ate that bread, broken, did you remember that it was his body? Did you remember that that was enough? when you drank from the cup his blood poured out for us on the cross did you remember that was enough past present future that's enough it covers it all it covers it all so as I continue playing I'm just going to say one more time if you need to be prayed over if you just want to pray with me if you want to experience God tonight don't wait Don't wait, respond. Jesus name I pray. Amen. You did it for me. You did it for love. It's your victory. Jesus, you are enough. You did it for me.
Because of your love, because of your love. 